Fierce listeners, we have a treat today. We have Sharon Janes with us, and she is going to be talking a bit about her book, Love Struck, Discovering God's Design for Romance, Marriage, and Sexual Intimacy from the Song mm. of Solomon. So this, oh, this was an amazing interview because we, obviously, Sharon has written 24 books. Well, not obviously, just so you know, 24 <laughs> books, but... Because of that, she's obviously very wise. And now she's taken the Song of Solomon and literally we're going through it kind of by chapter by chapter and seeing what a beautiful image it is for romance, marriage, and sexual intimacy. I think we hovered most around the topic of sexual intimacy. Yeah. Namely, we talked about um, intentionality. We talked about dealing with shame. Yeah, she really brought to life, I think, that that chapter that book of the bible right and she in her book she helps us you know recognize outside factors that might be causing like hurt feelings and how do we how do we identify those little foxes and pesky fears as she calls them in our marriage and what does that look like and how does how does the bible speak to those it was very illuminating for 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 us which is sounds silly i don't yeah we spend a lot of time about reading about the bible about sex and intimacy and god's purposes for it but it was just it was so refreshing the the truth that she brought from god's word uh to our own hearts so we pray that it blesses you as well so without further ado we have sharon james Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking the time out. Now, I think some of our listeners may be familiar uh, with with you, with your ministry, with your work as an author and, and the other professional capacities in which you've worked. But can you give us, just for the benefit of those maybe who don't um, know as much, where give us a little bit kind of your, of your backstory and, and where are you today and how did you get there? Okay. Um, well, I was with Proverbs 31 Ministries in the very beginning. Um, helping Lisa Turkers get that started. I was actually president for three years while she, um, after her third child, but she needed a little bit of time there. Um, (laughs) And then um, I felt like my job there to, uh, in the, I guess, leadership capacity, um, I had done what I had been called to do. And um, I was writing more. Actually, this Love Struck is my 24th book. Oh, my Um, goodness. And so then- (laughs) Well done. uh, (laughs) just started working on more of my own things and I've worked with two other gals also on a ministry called girlfriends and God. Um, and we have um, Hmm. devotions also that are daily devotions about 500,000 people a day. I get those. And, Hmm. um, and I'm back at Proverbs too. Went back to Proverbs four years ago, um, Hmm. and write for their, um, the devotions, the encouragement for today. And actually that's how this book came about. I know that's nice. probably one thing you were going to ask me, but um, yes. app. Um, there's an app um, that Proverbs 31 has and yeah. they were going through the Bible and they got to the song of Solomon. And um, I had written several books on marriage and one was called praying for your husband from head to toe that they um, had used a lot. And um, another one that had a, a section on sexual intimacy in it. So they're like, let's get Sharon to write this part. So when they got <laughs> to the Song of Solomon, I think everybody had cold feet, but I jumped right in. And um, you know, I loved doing, I loved writing that part of the Bible study so much um, that I just kept going. I mean, for for months, hmm. I just kept going in it because the, the, the devotions for the app were very short. So um, I just kept studying and kept, I mean, I didn't even tend, intend to write a book, but the next thing I knew I had a book. Um, so that, that's kind of how that all started. That one little, one little seed um, of doing that app. But um, wow. yep. Yeah, so um, at, I'm kind of spread around Proverbs 31, Girlfriends and yeah. God, 
doing my own thing at SharonJanes.com. So those, yeah. are my three, those are my three main loves. And that is the way to write a book. I'll tell you what. Like we, it, I don't know. You've written 27 books? 24. 24? Well, actually, My I turned goodness. to 20, number 25 on Saturday. And I tell you, that is the way to write a book because the other one that I started from scratch. And I, just, I don't like that. It's not fun. No. It's not so easy. It's, uh, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It is. It is. So we, coincidentally, we just finished a book. It was submitted. It lasted uh, December. This is um, a couple months ago. And we, Selena also had, we had our third daughter in October. Oh, and it's funny, the correlation between <laughs> our second conceiving yeah. and like yeah. being pregnant yes. and then birthing. It's like, it's the same with a book. <laughs> it's very similar. And, you know, even um, Selena and I will both say that, it, you know, it is both painful. And I call these books my children, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah have a lot of yes. Yes, yes. They they come out and then they have a life of their own and, <laughs> and you know it takes about the same time to birth them. It does. does. It My really goodness. does. To a year person. Absolutely, absolutely. The book in question here, and in, in case uh, the uh, listeners haven't they right. know the whole title, it's Love Struck: Discovering God's Design for Romance, Marriage, and Sexual Intimacy from the Song of Solomon. So, you are hitting a lot of really oh, favorite yeah. topics of ours because. First of all, oh, you're, doing, you're talking about it yeah. from the Song of Solomon, meaning that you're, you're using scripture and not just coming up with your own ideas, but you're letting scripture drive the boat, right? And right. so, and then obviously God's designed for romance, marriage, and sexual intimacy. That's a big topic. So you said you kind of birthed that of the study that you did through Proverbs 31. But now that you're on this side of it and the book's released and it's it's kind of gaining a life of its own, what is your, I guess, what is your big hope um, for those who read it? You know, what was, uh, I guess, surprising for me, um, and, and honestly, I um, I do touch on all three of those subjects, but I know that there are a lot of books on marriage um, out there today. So a lot of what I do focus on is the sexual intimacy part of marriage, hmm. because that's what I was finding. There were not that many books written by women um, hmm. on that topic. Um, what has been surprising to me um, is the the number of mature marriages that the sexual intimacy part of their marriage has dried up. Hmm. Um, I have been surprised by the emails, by the, the conversations of women hmm. pulling me aside. Um, it has broken my heart. Um, I honestly had the younger couple in mind when I was writing the book to kind of give them some instruction hmm. about, you know, what God, how God approves it, how God made it, how he put a lot into it when he created the, the human bodies for that, for the husband and wife to um, enjoy and kind of be the super hmm. little marriage. But um, it, it really has um, been an eye opener to me to see the mature marriages. The, let me say this, the mature Christian marriages, hmm. that this is a huge problem and it's not just not just the women it's not just the men um there's at least 20 percent of marriages and this has been a study that i didn't do someone else did um where the man is not interested at all and hmm. you know what i think that the devil gets just as excited about a marriage without sex as he does sex without marriage because hmm. both ways are not the way god intended it so that hmm. that has been um, kind of um, something I discovered after writing it and kind of in the end days of writing it and has made me more passionate about it than ever. That's, that's real interesting. I love that. 
That's really interesting. <laughs> just so, sitting here just absorbing. Yeah, and, and you no, know, that's if, if what you're doing. Um, I'm sure that you're seeing that if people are being being yeah. honest and probably it's through emails that, you know, I yeah. constantly get emails from, from mm-hmm. women that this part of their marriage is just totally not there. Oh, for sure. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm, my wheels are spinning in terms of, okay, you obviously have um, spent time thinking, studying, writing about this. Now you're getting feedback in almost in real time. Mm-hmm. So I, for our listeners who might be kind of feeling like their marriage is headed in this bad direction, right? Where their, their love life, their intimate life isn't everything they had hoped and isn't everything it once was. What are some of the warning signs of an intimate life that's maybe going awry or drying up? And what, what encouragement would you have for that husband or that wife? Well, first of all, I want to say that I think that one, one problem is that um, marriages today in the sexual arena have very unrealistic expectations. Yep. So they are seeing, which I know you probably have mentioned many times on your program, that people are looking at the media, you know, at movies, television, where they say hello, mm-hmm. and then in 45 minutes or less, they're already in bed. Um, <laughs> they have this expectation of what sex is supposed to be like and it's not realistic so when they see that their marriage isn't like that they get discouraged Mm. um but we cannot come we we can't let that be our guide if you want to see something not see something but read something sensual um you know the song of solomon (laughs) is it (laughs) it's very very steamy yes (laughs) but here's the problem with the song of solomon well there's there's a couple of little glitches and one big elephant in the room but um (laughs) the thing is the way that it is written with the verbiage that it uses and all the symbolism most people don't know and i didn't even know and and i've I've been a christian a long time i didn't know half of what they were talking about so when you go back and you uncover what does they mean by pomegranates what do they mean by (laughs) the garden You know, anytime you see, and I'll just tell you right this way while you're listening, that anytime it's talking about fruit, produce, garden, they are not going to the grocery store. So anytime you read anything about that, it's talking about sex. So, um, you know, there are things like that that are in the book that are kind of hidden. And one thing beautiful about that, about it, that that's what makes the, the book, um, it is very sensual, but there's nothing sorted about it because right. it is covered up with that that kind of language. That's what makes it makes it beautiful and kind of draws you in once you know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and makes it nothing sorted whatsoever. Right. I can't yeah, remember I, what the original question was. But. No, it's all really good. I actually remember, I mean, you're echoing our own kind of mm-hmm. thoughts on it. Because uh, I mean, it is true. That's exactly how it was designed, and that's exactly. I mean, you do have to go a little bit of extra work to read through some of the analogies. I, there's a really funny um, satire article by the Babylon Bee. They had Song of Solomon's Sweetheart Candies now available, and that's from it's for Valentine's Day that just passed. <laughs> and it says on there, it's like instead of being like I love you, it's like your teeth are sheep or you have goat hair <laughs> or like, Hey, tower neck. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but when you, when you really find out what they mean, it is so awesome. And even yeah. talking about that, you know, where hair being like goats coming down a mountain. Okay. That is weird for us. We don't raise, well, I shouldn't yeah. say we don't raise goats because so many people are raising goats now, but um, I was in Israel not that long ago and there were a group of um, high school Israeli girls at one of the same places where I was at. And they had this 
black, beautiful, shiny hair. And, you know, I thought of the Song of Solomon. That's that's the beautiful dark mm. black goat hair that he's mm. seen coming down the hillside. And, um, mm. you know, yeah, there's just so much in it. And, um, yeah. That's so good. So, the there's so much encouragement to be had from the, the Song of Solomon, which I, I love. And, I, again, a lot of re, a lot of listeners are, are, are hearing this. They're saying, man, this is great. I love this picture. It's compelling. It's biblical. It's wonderful. God has made it and designed it, intimacy to be good. But it doesn't feel good. So right. what what are those warning signs? And this, I guess, goes back to the question, question well, prior to that was, what are the warning signs that maybe a couple should be looking out for to see when maybe their um, the intimacy is not it's headed in a wrong direction, and what encouragement would you have for them if they if they feel stuck in that? Okay, let me let me tie it back. I'm, I promise I'm going to answer that question, but let me tie it back into <laughs> no worries, the no worries. part because um, if you look at the book, it's in kind of each two chapters is a progression of the relationship, and then they get into a hard spot, and then it it. Mm goes to a different place but in the first in the first part when they're just have that i mean it starts with all that desire when it starts the very first verse is kiss me and kiss me again or and that's the woman saying it or kiss me with the kisses of your mouth so we see in the very first two chapters there's all kinds of passion she and and the woman is the most passionate but the book is really kind of focusing on her more than the man anyway Hmm. but she is so she cannot wait to be with this man and every sense of the word i mean she wants she wants him and she wants him now she wants him bad (laughs) but she also says don't awaken love until it's time so we know that even so even though she's longing for him she is telling her friends that are that she's with and herself don't go yet so Mm. um you know that that's part of it but in those first two chapters the the man says he he is talking with her and he says catch for us the little foxes okay Mm. now first of all when he said catch for us the little foxes who in the world is he talking to i mean it's just her and him there i think he's talking to god and saying help us see anything that can come in our marriage and destroy the fruit mm-hmm. because remember they're they're more an agricultural um society the little foxes would come in when they would plant the grapes for the vineyards and they would particularly like the young grapes the the, the new grapes so mm. so the man is praying show us anything that's going to be a little fox to come in and steal the fruit okay now let's just say the fox is what you're mentioning is the apathy in mm. marriage okay so then in the next three and four chapters three and four they get married it's beautiful they have a honeymoon and we get to to actually see the honeymoon in great detail um, and it is absolutely stunning then after all that desire passionate honeymoon chapter five husband comes knocking and it was very common in those days for the king to have a separate sleeping quarter quarters than than the mm. wife and he comes knocking and she says you know what i've already got on my pajamas <laughs> I've, my teeth. I've already in bed and she uh. is not interested so <laughs> So, okay, look, how quick did that happen? I mean, I know we've only got eight chapters here, but right after the honeymoon, and I believe this book of the Bible is in here to show us what a marriage can be like and what to look out for. So Mm. after the honeymoon, then there's the apathy already. She's Mm. just not interested. And so that is a warning for us right in the middle of the book. And he leaves and then her friends try to try to draw her back say okay now tell us what you loved about him in the first place 
listen, that is a great way to keep passion alive in your marriage. Um, mm. Even if we see that in the book of Revelation, when it says, you know, God tells, and they're talking about the different churches in the church. They, um, one of the churches, he said, your love has grown cold. And, um, you know, it was the most loving church of all, but yet your love has grown cold. And what did um, the scripture tell that church to remember and return? Remember the yeah. Return okay, Amen. we can take that and apply it right here into the middle of the Song of Solomon. Her friends are saying, Okay, we're well, tell us what you love about him. What did you love about that man in the first place? You know, <laughs> we don't need friends that will say that dog he shouldn't have left, right. you know, I wouldn't put up with that. No, her friends are standing for the marriage, encouraging her, and then we have this long litany of she's listing all the things she loves about him about his mm. arms, about his legs, about his character. And, you know, remembering what she loves about him. And then she goes to find him. So, again, mm. the book is focusing on her. But um, she goes and finds him. They make up. There's a beautiful section on forgiveness there, a beautiful picture of forgiveness in there. She does a, a dance that is just for him. And when you uncover the name of that dance, it is, um, do you remember in Scripture when Jacob went back to Esau and he was afraid mm -hmm. he was killing, but then they made up? Yeah. Um, they named that place and that place they named actually became a dance in the Hebrew culture. And it was the dance of forgiveness. So she mm -hmm. does dance uh, for him and they're reunited. So that's kind of the scene four. So wow. you see that apathy happened. He warned, don't let it happen. We see it did happen. And you know, there are lots of different ways that, that the script, this story could have shown that a little Fox could have come in. I mean, there's, there's little fox of dishonesty, jealousy, complacency, irresponsibility, guilt. I mean, you name it. There's so many little foxes. Mm -hmm. But one that the scripture chose to focus on in this eight, these eight chapters was that little fox of apathy. So then what happens? Let's go to the last two chapters of the book. After they've made up the last two chapters, it shows that he's in the field, the, the husband's in the field, and she comes to him. And I can I can almost just picture him pulling her pulling on um his robe, and he's and she says, "Come away, let's get away and go by ourselves. Let's get away by ourselves like we used to. Let's go to the villages like we used to do and get away by ourselves." And she says, "I will give you some of that fruit that you've always loved, and I've got some new fruit." that you don't even know about. Okay, now we've already established <laughs> not going to the grocery store. So you see what they've done there. You see how they've, they've got that pattern there. Watch out for the fox. We're going to call it apathy right now. Passion after the marriage. Apathy came in. And then we see at the end of the book how she is very intentional. And I think that is a key word for us in having a strong marriage, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Be intentional. You, we cannot read romance novels or watch movies on television and think that that's just going to happen without being intentional. If we, I mean, even in this this um, intimacy part, we have to be intentional with that. Um, if you people who want it to sometimes just be spontaneous, waiting for it to be spontaneous, often are still waiting. I mean, you know sure. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, you know, we have to be intentional with that and make sure that we are we are making time um, for that being part of our marriage. That's that so that's a long way, but I wanted to get it all in there. I wanted you to see the progression. Oh, um, I love no. it. That's yeah. there. I've never heard it. 
that I've never really heard it described like this. Yeah, it's good. No, that's so important. Again, just echoing what Ryan's saying too is is we've read through Song of Solomon. I think we've been Christians for long times, but honestly, I've never heard it illuminated that that way. And it's so I love that you're just taking God's truth, and it's this is the standard, right? It's like the movies show us like glimpses of this, but God has designed and purposed it and created it. And here, here, here it is in his word, right? So, so clear, but seemingly unclear at times too, but so beautiful. And looking at the progression of, of the book and the story. Um, So going from there, you know, what, what does the Bible teach us about the purpose of being intimate, being physically intimate with each other, obviously in the married, the married space? Well, we, we talk, we know that when God created Adam and Eve, and he said the two shall become one, and um, sexual intimacy is part of that, and when you come together physically, you're also coming together spiritually, Mm. Um, and I think that um, it is helpful for people to see it that way, that's just not just a physical act, and you know, here's another um, statistic that that is sad, but it's true. And we have to, we have to kind of use this as our, um, as we're talking about that 80% of evangelical Christians, um, are not virgins when they get married. Mm. So what we need to understand is it is not just a physical act Mm. um, that God intended marriage to be, it is a spiritual act too. And that's what makes it so special in marriage and why it needs to be what it, I would say needs to be, it is God. Want, listen, God wants every married couple to have the best physical intimacy possible. Mm. That's his, that's, that's what he wants. And I think mm. when a husband and wife come together in that way, that God, God cheers. He's like, yay, this is why I went through all this trouble to create this <laughs> particular way mm-hmm. and all your cranial nerves to fire with just a kiss. I mean, he, he did this on purpose. So when we, when we take that outside of marriage, you see, it's just, um, it's, it's just not God's best. Right. It's a watered down version of what he's exactly. given us. And people yeah. are not, there's not going to be that, that spiritual fulfillment part in when it's outside of marriage. Mm. And, and unfortunately for our culture today, um, you know, sex is either a gift or baggage. It depends on when and how you open the box. Mm-hmm. So people are bringing a lot of baggage into a Christian marriage. And mm-hmm. I just want to encourage everyone who's listening, no matter what has happened in the past, you know, God, our God is such a God of grace and mercy that he wants the best for you, regardless of what your past has been like. So we simply come to God and bring him that baggage. Um, and we give him that baggage and leave it at the foot of the cross and start today to experience what God wants us to experience. Um, don't allow the enemy to, to make you feel shameful or guilty of because of your past and bring that into the marriage because it will, you know, it'll be, um, it will hinder that part. So I just want to encourage everyone because I know that uh, most of the people listening, um, God's ideal is not, um, the majority. So I don't, I just don't, even though we're talking about this and this is what God's designed for us. And this is what 
um, his best for us. You know, I don't want someone to feel more bogged down and more shameful because of their past and let that harm their present marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was going to say, that's one of the, to me, that's one of the most striking things about the Song of Solomon is that you don't get a, a hint of of hesitation from these lovers, right? Or a hint of shame in in these kind of graphic image these graphic images. They're not graphic and they're not sorted, but they are graphic in a yeah. sense, right? right? And so yeah, like having going coming into a marriage, a lot of times you can feel this sense of shame. Either it's because it's culturally imposed, right? Because there's this kind of platonic view of of sex and marriage, and it's kind of because it's of the flesh, it's evil, right? That's not biblical. Sex is a good thing, mm. um, or because of your past, right? You've either had a past sexual encounter, or God forbid, you've had abuse and it hasn't been worked out, and so there's a lot of shame and fear and guilt uh, in this area. So I guess that that would be my next question. So we've kind of shown this picture, the Song of Solomon is the ideal. We've seen that, you know, it says don't awaken love before it's time. Uh, that, that, you know, Proverbs 5 talks about keeping your well for yourself and mm -hmm. for you alone in the well-being, you know, your sexual being, your sexual intimacy, and don't, you know, don't let it spill out into the streets, so to speak. So a lot of, like you said, 80% of evangelical marriages have had premarital sex, whether that's with each other or with other partners or there's maybe even abuse in some cases. So given that that's probably the case for most of our listeners, where they might feel this sense of brokenness and shame, and they hear you say that God is forgiving, he's a forgiving God, he's forgiven us and he, he will redeem us. What, 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 what encouragement would you have for them today as they go home and they look their husband or their wife in the face and they still feel that sense of, I don't know how we're gonna get through this hard time. What conversation starters, I guess, would you give to that wife or that husband as they walk in through the doors tonight? Well, uh, interesting. I just turned in my a manuscript for my next book on Saturday, which will come out in a year. Um, mm -hmm. And it is the title of it is When You Don't Like Your Story. <laughs> the subtitle wow. is um, What If Your Worst Chapters Could Become Your Greatest Victories? Mm -hmm. and, um, I will tell you that the devil would like nothing more for someone to stay in a shame place. Mm. And what I want to say is that when, you know, we flippantly say in the Christian world, you know, confess your sins to God, he wipes it away. And, you know, I think because we say it so quickly and so easily that we don't really take in the gravity of what we're really, really saying. Um, the truth is when Jesus died on that cross and he said, what we call it is finished is what most of our, our tra Bible translations have it in there. But the word to tell us die really means paid in full that Jesus paid in full for those mistakes um, and sins that we've committed. And not just the ones we committed before we came to Christ, but the ones we committed afterwards. And when we say, yeah, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself, which is what that's the shame place mm -hmm. of not being able to accept God's forgiveness for yourself and, and continue to say, I can't forgive myself. When we say that, that is like saying that what Jesus did is not enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want the gravity of that to really sink in. It's yeah. like there's more we have to do and there is nothing more that we can do. Um, we, we need to accept God's grace and forgiveness and then move forward. You know, I don't want to make little of sin and I don't want to make little of grace, but mm -hmm. I mean, go back to the, the woman caught in adultery, which again, here's the sin situation. Mm -hmm. um, he did not 
He did not condemn her. He did say, go and sin no more. So he caught sin a sin. He told her to change her ways. And, um, and then she had to move move forward in that and to be free of that condemnation. And the scripture says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. However, you can be free and not walk free. You know, we are hopping mm-hmm. onto a different book, but this is so important. <laughs> but, you know, you can be free. God can set you free and you mm-hmm. can choose not to walk free. So yeah. some that is a decision that we have to accept that grace and forgiveness. We, um, you know, accept God's forgiveness of us and then move forward and be determined. I will not live in shame any longer because yeah. when I am living in shame. I am refusing God's grace. Yeah. And that's an act of faith many times because we, in our culture, we tend to conflate feelings with faith, meaning that if I don't feel it, then it's, then I'm not, the faith isn't there. Mm. And I think that's not faith, right? Faith is walking in 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 the hope that you've received, whether or not you feel it or not. It's it's a belief action. And just to echo what you said about when Jesus forgives us, we don't forgive ourselves. We're basically saying that Christ died for nothing. And Paul mm-hmm. talks about in Galatians 2. Mm-hmm. says, I've been crucified with Christ. I, don't, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life I live. In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Usually people will stop there, but in verse 21, it says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm. And I mean, that's such a, it's so, it's so funny. And I, we tend to, it's almost like a posture of shame and, and fear because you're not forgiving yourself. And it almost takes on this mask of humility, but really and I'm being bold here, but really it's a posture of pride that says, God, you can't outdo what I've done, right? You can't, what you've said is not true. What I've said is true. What I feel is true. Mm -hmm. And therefore what you did on the cross doesn't reach me. And how, I mean, how how wicked of a heart posture is that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's an amount of humility that has to come into our hearts that says, you know what? I'm not my own savior. I could never be my own savior, but I have a savior. And that's the goodness of the gospel. I love it. Amen. You said that beautifully. Mm-hmm. Man, man. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah. So just, I think one more question before kind of our, our last and final question. It's kind of a, that fun one's one, a fun yeah. one, but this one more question about um, kind of the title of the book, Love Struck, and, and what are some ways that we can stay love struck through the marriage, through our marriages? Um, so maybe just talk about the title and then, yeah, what that looks like in our marriage. Um, I think that going back to that word intentional um, is very important. So mm-hmm. we are going to be intentional. So how are we going to do that? Um, of course, we, we've heard forever to have date nights. And I do think that's important. And my mm-hmm. husband and I yeah. are investors now. Um, so date, but we still need date nights. You yeah. know, people think, yeah. oh, what? kids are going, you don't need that because every night's a date night. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so sure you do that one thing that we did um is we made sure once a year we always got to get got away together by ourselves um without kids around and we did not talk about children on the date nights or when we would take time away by ourselves Mm. Um, another thing that's very important to me because um i think the words we say to each other um, you know, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, but I also think death and life of a marriage are in the power of the tongue as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to make sure that we are, um, listen to what we're saying to our spouse. 
um, what kind of words are we using with them? And this is not something special to keep your marriage um, strong. It might not be what, you, what you're getting at, but um, yes, the date night, just getting away. Yes, doing nice things for each other. Um, making sure that there's not too much time between intimacy. That's very important. Mm. Um, and that can become, that can become an elephant in the room. Um, and then all of a sudden it's uncomfortable. Um, and, and I always tell, I, I tell women if, you know, we do get, we do get tired. I mean, a man can roof a house and then be ready to go. And, you know, we get tired. <laughs> they have a little dessert compartment, I think. But, um, but if you have to say, you know, if you just are not, if it's not a good day for you, then to make sure that not 24 hours, you know, 24 hours will pass before it, it is a good day. You know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be use my worst will. Yeah, I can I can sense that, that you're being sensitive. That's good, but, I, we're, but um, yeah, we're we're big fans of the uh, yeah. I mean, talk around it, uh, be generous toward each other. I think, and again, we see this picture in Song of Solomon that it's not it's not a picture of taking from each other. It's a picture of giving and pursuing each other, giving to each other, and pursuing each other in the name of this this amazing rapturous love that they're caught up in. But it never at, at no point do you see one either the lover or the beloved the husband mm. or the wife you don't see them taking right and right. demanding right. you see them pursuing and giving and i think that's kind of what you're getting at in that as a husband if i approach selena i give her the you know the sexy eyebrows and i'm saying mm -hmm. hey you know i just roofed a house are you good to go <laughs> um, and if she says you know what i've been taking care of three kids all day and i love you but i'm tired then as a husband the way that i can pursue and love her is to say that's okay We'll, we'll figure this out when you're less tired, get some sleep. We'll talk tomorrow type of thing. And I think there's a really, and as long as there's not any sort of co coercion or manipulation in that, I think it's a really healthy conversation to have. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I do think before we go that I need to address the big elephant in the room because I know your listeners are going to, somebody's oh, yeah. going to say, Oh yeah, Solomon, isn't he the guy with all those wives and concubines? The there it is. Oh, that's yes. right. yep. <laughs> Let's don't ignore that because, um, yeah. you know, that, that is, that is a truth. Um, we don't know when he wrote this. We don't know if it's actually, um, if he's writing a love story or if this is actually a real wife. I mean, we don't know these facts, but here's what we do know. He was called the wisest man on earth and yet he still fails. Yep. And even the wisest among us can still fall. But God made sure that these eight chapters were in the Bible for a reason. Mm. Um, regardless of who wrote them, they're in there for a reason. And if we did have the attitude, I'm not going to read about David because of what he did, or I'm not going to read about such and such, every single one of the, the the main characters that God tends to highlight through the Bible have had times where they have fallen and they did not live perfect lives. So we have to look at this. This book is in the Bible because God wanted it there and not yeah. let the let that become a stumbling block that Solomon did eventually fall um, in this area of his life. Um, mm -hmm. and that's why I refer to him so much as the husband and the wife um, yeah. rather than Solomon and the beloved or the, the Shulamite. But I, mm -hmm. I did, I did want to answer that on the air. That's good. Someone is going to be thinking. That. And I appreciate that. And it's, and it is such a beautiful picture of, wow. Even Solomon wasn't a perfect husband, and still he had this picture of that we're given in the Bible as intimacy, 
right? And so there's, I think, beauty to be seen there. I think it's also very wise of you to bring that up because we tend to read scripture, we forget its purpose, right? So much of the scripture, they're historical books. They're describing what happened. They're describing concubines and things. It's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. They're not saying, therefore, you should go get concubines. <laughs> they, they're, they're, he, the yeah. Bible is, is showing us what, how the Israelites history, yeah. fell. Yeah. and needed grace. <laughs> I mean, just read judges and you'll be offended up and down. Um, so I, I do appreciate you bringing that up though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that, I think we'll have, we do have a higher note to end on. Right. We have, okay. we usually yeah, ask. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, you're good. It's good. This is great. I, I hate to end it. Honestly, it's yeah. been such a great conversation and I'm so grateful for, you know, your wisdom and just all that you're sharing. It's just new light, I feel like, on the truth. And so yeah. um, you have an advantage on this question because usually we have a husband and wife on here. Okay. But because it's you, you get to pick what your most favorite or most memorable, sorry, your favorite or most memorable date that you and your husband have been on uh, in your whole life. <laughs> uh, you know if Steve was here, he would say the same thing. Um, and it was our first date. And let me tell you why. How much time do I have for this? Oh, plenty. Go for it. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, so um, my I grew up in a in a very difficult home where my parents did not even like each other. Um, my dad was an an alcoholic. He was abusive to my mom, and I became a Christian as a teenager. Um, the good the good story for another day, which I would love to tell you in detail. Both of my parents did become Christians mm. after I did within a six year period, but they never really had a great marriage. Um, as a matter of fact, I was cleaning out one of my mo my mother's drawers in her den. I was looking for a pen, I think, and um, I came across this little record. And back in World War II and the Korean War. Um, you've probably seen this in, in movies that the soldiers could actually make little records to send mm. home. Mm. And um, I found this record my father had made in the Korean War. It was the very year wow. my mom and he were married. And in on this record, he said, tell he told her how much he loved her, how much he cared for her, how he missed her. I mean, there was so much emotion in his voice. You could just hear it um, cracking. And I held that, this was mm, 30 years later, and I held that little record in my hand and I thought, how in the world did this happen? How did a marriage that started out like this and this man so over, head over heels with his wife, how did it end to be the horrible marriage that it is today where they don't even like each other? So I determined that I was going to marry a Christian after I became a Christian um, in my 20s. I, I, thought, okay, now this is really funny, but I, I had dated some Christians and I thought, well, you know, I know they're Christians and um, this is what I should look for, but they're just not any fun. <laughs> okay, remember, I'm okay. <laughs> so anyway, I met, I walked into this Bible study in college and my husband was sitting on the floor with these jeans and a red flannel shirt rolled up his sleeve. And um, you, you were probably too young to remember, but there was a um, a billboard back in the day with the Marlboro man. It was a cigarette commercial and <laughs> looked like the Christian Marlboro man. And um, so, but he had a Bible in his lap instead of a cigarette. And I thought, man, I hope he asked me out. So he asked <laughs> me out and he asked me to go hear a missionary. Okay. So I'm thinking, Oh, here we go. He's, he's handsome and he's a strong Christian, but you know, not any, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Remember, <laughs> So anyway, he came to pick me up to go hear the, the missionary. And um, 
then when he, when he came to pick me up, where do you, where you guys are in West Coast, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, on the East Coast, we have music called beach music that's not like yours, but it's um, it's secular music. It's more like a Motown, and it's, there's hmm. a slow dance called the swing that it's called the shag, but it's like a swing. So when he <laughs> came to pick me up, I had that music playing that we call it beach music, and um, he said, "Do you like that?" And I said, well, yes. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> and uh, he said, no, I collect it. So the first day we went to hear the missionary and then we went out dancing. And I thought, I'm going to marry this man. And the last song they played was, do you believe in love at first sight? And um, I don't recommend this at home, but we got engaged three and a half months later. And we have been married this year hmm. will be 40 years. Wow. So wow. my <laughs> best date was my first date. And I knew at that first date, I'm going to marry this man. Oh, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's one of the better ones. Yeah. So yes. thank you. I mean, thank for for obviously being on, on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. And, but for the work that you do, um, mm-hmm. for the, the faithful years of marriage that you and your husband yeah. have, have fought the good fight and Man, I think you, it's just the, the blessings that are going to continue to spread out from here, but also clearly you've blessed so many. So just thank you for your ministry. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for your life's work, really. Um, and keep writing books. Sounds like you're you're a workhorse. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I do want to ask one more question. It's not a question really, but where can people go to find to find your resources or to find your books? Um, well, Amazon has them all. Um, okay. CBD. um, christianbookdistributors.com Barnes and Noble but um, my my website is SharonJanes.com and my last name is kind of odd it's J-A-Y-N as in Nancy E-S so SharonJanes.com it has all the books Um, Love Struck also comes with a Bible study guide you can get if you want to do it in groups Um, that is only found on Amazon and my website it's a separate um, book a separate Bible study book for that. Excellent. But, um, the other marriage resources are there as well. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Well, we will make sure and post links to all of those things in the show notes. So listener, if you hear that and you're in your car, make sure to go to the show notes and find it, or you can go to fiercemarriage.com and find the show notes there as well. Um, but again, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for sharing, Sharon. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show and for all the work you do. Thank you. All right, Fierce listeners, we hope this interview with Sharon Janes has uh, just blessed you as much as I know it's blessed us. Um, and do do check out and pick up a copy of Love Struck, Discovering God's Design for Romance, Marriage, and Sexual Intimacy from the Song of Solomon. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you buy your books, but you can also find uh, this book as well as a study guide at SharonJanes.com. And that's J-A-Y-N-E-S, SharonJanes.com. And uh, all of her resources are there. So once again, thank you for joining us. Again, this episode has been a huge blessing for us. I hope the same uh, goes for you. And uh, we will see you in the next uh, few days. And until then, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.